At U.S. Bank, when we say we're in it with you, we mean it. Not just for the good stuff, the grand openings and celebrations, although those are pretty great, but for all the hard work it took to get there. The fine-tuning of goals, the managing of cash and workflows, and decision-making. We're in to help you through all of it. Because together, we're proving day in and day out that there is nothing as powerful as the power of us. Visit usbank.com to get started today. Equal housing lender. Member FDIC. Copyright 2024. U.S. Bank. Good Thursday morning. Breaking overnight, a dramatic end to a day-long manhunt in Atlanta. A suspected mass shooter now behind bars. It's May 4th. This is today. In custody, the alleged gunman who opened fire in a hospital waiting room, killing one person and injuring several others, captured overnight. Thanks to the highly trained police officers across our region, we are able to bring this suspect into custody without further harm. Inside the frantic race to track down the suspect and what we are learning now about him and the victims. Breaking overnight, Russia launching intense new airstrikes against Ukraine. This just hours after accusing its military of attacking the Kremlin with drones, attempting to assassinate Vladimir Putin. This morning, Ukraine's strong denial and what it means for the war. Growing controversy, a death of a man put in a chokehold by a former Marine after he allegedly threatened passengers on a New York City subway, now declared a homicide. An investigation underway as anger and protests erupt. Was it a case of vigilante justice or an act of bravery? We'll have the very latest. Under fire, a new report just out this morning alleging the same Republican donor who took Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas on lavish vacations also paid for his relative's private school education. The details and the growing push for new ethics rules for the nation's highest court. Those stories plus royal rehearsal with just two days to go. King Charles and his family stepping out to practice for the coronation. We'll take you live to London and show you how this historic ceremony compares to the last one 70 years ago. And honoring Al, our beloved Mr. Roker inducted into the prestigious Broadcasting and Cable Hall of Fame. The highlights from his big night as we celebrate what he means to all of us. Today, Thursday, May 4th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Happy to see you this morning. It's a Thursday. Savannah is on her way to London to cover the King's coronation. But in our studio, we got the King, too. Yes. Mr. Roker. By the way, Al, congratulations Thank on that you. big award it was, yesterday. It was so nice. You guys did such a lovely job. You and Savannah narrating that, that little video for me and Mr. Melvin introducing. Uh, Stand-up co- uh, comedy quality there. Well, very, very there, nicely done. I was going to, uh, yes, I'll add to that. Craig's got another professional later on in life. Uh, but great job, Al. Thank Congrats. You. We're going to get to more on that in just a little bit. We are on this Thursday morning going to start, though, in Atlanta and that mass shooting at a hospital there. Yeah, police confirming overnight that officers caught the suspected gunman who fled the scene and sparked an intense search. It spanned two cities. NBC's Morgan Chesky joins us now from the Fulton County Jail. Hey, Morgan, good morning. 
Hey, Hoda, good morning. And after this manhunt that lasted the better part of all day Wednesday, police say they booked 24-year-old Dion Patterson here into Fulton County Jail late last night. And today, his motive remains unknown after police say he walked into that hospital and opened fire. This morning, an Atlanta gunman no longer on the run. This video capturing the moment police caught up with Dion Patterson. The 24-year-old authorities say unleashed a deadly rampage in a hospital, launching a massive, nearly day-long manhunt. An undercover officer was the one that originally saw and confronted this individual. Police arresting Patterson after Wednesday's attack at Atlanta's Northside Hospital, where investigators say he pulled out a handgun and started shooting. They're now advising the active shooter, person shot. The violence scene playing out in an 11th floor waiting room, where police say Patterson fired a hail of bullets, killing one victim. Identified as 39-year-old Amy St. Pierre, a CDC employee. Four other women were also injured. According to police, Patterson was with his mother for an unknown medical appointment, but she was not hurt during the shooting. The active shooter call placed the bustling area on lockdown which impacted several schools, including one attended by Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock's children. There, there, I'm here. Hoping and praying that they are safe. But the truth is, none of us is safe. Barely 30 minutes after opening fire, license plate recognition cameras spotted a vehicle the shooter stole 20 miles away, near Truist Park, where the Atlanta Braves play. Those cameras proved extremely helpful today. That is where we got the precise location of the building that he walked into. Patterson, a former member of the U.S. Coast Guard, had been discharged from active duty in January after nearly five years of service. Today, the motive for the shooting remains unclear. Authorities only saying they don't believe any of the victims were targeted. This was a horrible act of gun violence. But equally horrifying is that we know that this is not unique in our country. And this morning, we are still awaiting updates on the conditions of those four victims in a nearby Atlanta hospital. As for any criminal past involving Patterson, Atlanta police would only say that they had minimal contact with the 24-year-old prior to the shooting. Hoda. All right, Morgan Chesky for us there. Morgan, thank you. Breaking overnight, Russia unleashing new airstrikes in Ukraine just hours after accusing its forces of using drones to attack the Kremlin in an attempt to assassinate Vladimir Putin. NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel joins us with details on this story. Richard, good morning to you. Good morning, Craig. In addition to those attacks, the Kremlin this morning accused Washington of coordinating with Kyiv to carry out this alleged attack. U.S. officials say there was no United States involvement and that the U.S. had no advanced knowledge. The Kremlin says the Ukrainian government sent this small drone and another to assassinate President Vladimir Putin. The alleged attempt thwarted when the drones were destroyed by the Kremlin's radar defenses. Putin wasn't in the Kremlin or Moscow. Russia responded with fury and outrage, saying the Russian side reserves the right to take retaliatory measures where and when it sees fit. Others went further. Former President and Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev saying Moscow has no options except the physical elimination of Zelensky and his clique. Ukraine denied any involvement, accusing the Kremlin of staging the attack to gain public support for a failing war. President Zelensky was in Finland at the time. We don't attack 
Putin or Moscow, uh, we fight on, on our territory. U.S. officials are still investigating and urge caution. The way the video spread across the Internet was unusual, suggesting a coordinated rollout instead of a traditional viral spread. The first video showing aftermath emerged on Telegram, an encrypted app popular in Russia at 2.37 a.m. Moscow time Wednesday. Then nothing for 12 hours until 3 p.m. when several videos emerged also on Telegram showing the alleged attack before and after it took place. One video appears to have been recorded from a security camera. A reflection seems to show people in an office filming the screen. Two people can also be seen climbing up a staircase at the Kremlin and appear to react to an explosion. It's unclear what they were doing on the Kremlin roof in the middle of the night. A spokesman for President Putin this morning was vague about how Russia might respond, saying only it would be balanced and thought out. Craig, our chief foreign correspondent, Richard Engel. Richard, thank you. There are some new developments in a controversial case right here in New York after a man died when he was put in a chokehold following an altercation on the subway. NBC's Stephanie Goss joins us now with these details. Hey, Steph, good morning. Hi, Hoda. Good morning. This incident happened on Monday, but scrutiny has continued to grow as this video circulated. And yesterday, Jordan Neely's death was ruled a homicide. We should warn you, this video is disturbing. This morning, there is growing outrage and questions surrounding the death of a man on a New York City subway. This video obtained by NBC New York shows three subway riders subduing the 30-year-old man and one putting him in a chokehold. He later goes limp. The medical examiner ruled the death a homicide and says the cause was, quote, compression of neck, chokehold. The district attorney identified the man as Jordan Neely. A witness says that Neely got on the subway and began, quote, a somewhat aggressive speech, saying he was hungry, he was thirsty, that he didn't care about anything. He didn't care about going to jail. He didn't care that he gets a big life sentence. Police telling NBC News, quote, the 30-year-old male was engaged in a verbal dispute with a 24-year-old male, which subsequently escalated into a physical altercation. During a physical struggle between the two males, the 30-year-old male lost consciousness. Manhattan Borough President Mark Levine writing that Neely was a subway entertainer who performed dance routines in costume as Michael Jackson. Levine adding, he always made people smile. Our broken mental health system failed him. He deserved help not to die in a chokehold on the floor of the subway. Police say the 24-year-old rider who put Neely into the chokehold was taken into custody for questioning and later released. He has not been publicly identified. Protesters gathered overnight to call for more action. No charges have been filed, but the Manhattan District Attorney's Office said it is under investigation and is a solemn and serious matter. The DA's office also said the investigation is being handled by, quote, senior experienced prosecutors and encouraged any witnesses to come forward. Hoda. All right. Stephanie Gosk for us. Stephanie, thank you. Also this morning, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas is facing controversy once again over more possible ethics violations. A new report from ProPublica alleges a billionaire Republican donor paid for Thomas's grandnephew's private school. The news organization previously reported that the same man, Harlan Crow, also took the Thomas family 
on lavish vacations. Let's bring in NBC's senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett. So, Laura, what, what more do we know about these, these new allegations against Clarence Thomas? So, according to this new report, he, Harlan Crow, this wealthy Republican donor, is making a series of tuition payments for Thomas's grandnephew, who Thomas was raising as a son. We don't know the exact dollar amount, but according to ProPublica, it could have been to the tune of $150,000. Now, generally, justices are supposed to disclose all financial ties and gifts, especially expensive ones like this. But according to this report, Thomas did not disclose these gifts from Crow. However, the most interesting part of this, guys, he did disclose at least one tuition payment that someone else, a separate payment that someone else made for this same grandnephew. And so the question is, why didn't he disclose Mm -hmm. this one from Crow? So, yeah, he's basically saying he knew he should disclose some things. So why that one and not this one? So is he saying anything? Is Harlan saying anything? So the justice is not saying anything. The, co- the court is not saying anything. I reached out. Um, Crow actually did put out a statement essentially saying that he's been passionate about education issues, the importance of education, giving back to those less fortunate. He basically called this a political hit job. Um, he's been critical of ProPublica's reporting on he and Thomas's relationship in the past. In the past, Thomas has actually said that he relied on others for advice about what he was supposed to disclose or not. Unclear whether he'll say anything about this latest report. But it, again, the larger context is here is that this is a series of gifts made Mm -hmm. from this same man. The yachts, the private jet rides, And remember, Supreme Court justices do not have an ethics code. And so this is why you hear this sort of, mm-hmm. you know, clamoring for them to be treated just like every other federal judge. Any recourse? No. Uh, mm-hmm. Recourse is impeachment, yeah. which they do not have the votes for mm-hmm. and clearly not going to happen given this political environment. All right. We're senior legal correspondent, Laura. Laura, thank you. Thank you, Laura. Yeah. Uh, we're also learning more this morning about the end of that manhunt in southeast Texas for the man accused of killing five of his neighbors and how he managed to evade capture for days. NBC's Sam Brock joins us now with the very latest. Hey, Sam, good morning. Hi, Hoda. Good morning. Look, the net keeps widening. That's the story this morning. There are now three people behind bars. Of course, the suspect found hiding in a closet is facing five counts of murder, but also under arrest. His wife and another associate who are accused of helping Emota to elude authorities for days. After the frantic chase to capture Francisco Oropesa, the wheels of justice are now in motion. Charges coming quickly for the man authorities say was at the center of the massacre and manhunt. He was charged with five counts of murder. Oropesa being held on a $7.5 million bond. The justice of the peace who oversaw it, taking the rare step of talking to the media. This is by far the worst case that I'm personally familiar with. It's a sad commentary on human society. But the fallout extends to others, including Oropesa's wife. You are charged with hindering the, the apprehension of a fugitive. Mara Nava appearing in court, facing between two and ten years in prison if found guilty. What we believe that Ms. Nava was doing is that she was providing him with material aid and encouragement, uh, food, clothes, uh, and had uh, and had. Uh, arranged transport to this house. A phone tip to the FBI led investigators to a home where they found Oropesa hiding under a pile of laundry. His wife allegedly telling investigators that her husband arrived at the house around 1 a.m. Tuesday and that she got him donuts and delivered a message to his cousins asking for help getting to Mexico, which she says they rejected. But authorities say Nava may have been helping both sides. Miss Nava appeared to be cooperating up until the time when we arrested her. Police still won't say who owned the house where Oropesa was captured. 
Um, the house is connected. Can you confirm it's his sister's house? I'm not going to say anything about that right now. Law enforcement also defending the amount of time it took them to respond to the murders, citing backcountry roads in severe disrepair and limited staffing. Neighbors now sleeping easier after days of living in fear. You think that you come to your home, that's your safe place, and then you find out that there's somebody across the street that killed some people. It's, it's pretty scary. As for next steps, all eyes now are on the indictment, but the DA here tells me there is a lot of material to go through. Body cameras, testimonials, and evidence from some 250-plus members of law enforcement. At this point, they say the deadline is about 90 days to try to present this information to a grand jury. Coda. All right, Sam Brock for us there in Texas. Sam, thank you. It is now 716, our first check of the weather with our Hall of Famer. Hey, Al. Stop. Come on. Stop it. We'll I get to that to later. Good morning, guys. And good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. We are looking at some severe weather that's going to be developing in the Central Plains later today. You can already see some of these showers and thunderstorms as this warm frontal boundary lifts northward. Supercells are going to be developing along this Texas dry line. We're looking from southern Kansas to Oklahoma City, San Antonio, we've got the risk of severe weather, uh, maybe some tornadoes, but hail, as you can see, up around Oklahoma City, also down into central and southern Texas for two inches or more. Tomorrow, daytime heating, upper-level energy, develops more storms, a flood risk from Springfield, Missouri, all the way into the Carolinas, marginal risk from Memphis all the way down to New Orleans, but we've got this slight risk here from Waco to Austin, where we could be looking at two inches of hail or more with these strong winds. Rainfall amounts generally light, but anywhere from one to three inches. Some of these sections may see upwards of three inches of rain per hour, and that could be causing some localized flooding. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, uh, thank you. Still ahead, excitement in London reaching a fever pitch with the coronation of King Charles less than 48 hours away. In fact, he just led the royal family in rehearsal, and Keir Simmons is right there at Westminster for us. Hey, Keir, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning. The sun is shining. The royals have been in the Abbey rehearsing. We're going to tell you why, if you watch on Saturday, you'll be participating in history. Also ahead this morning, the family of the young boy paralyzed in last summer's mass shooting at a 4th of July parade speaking out for the first time their quest for justice, and why they say they will not let the tragedy define their son's life. But first, this is Today on NBC. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's, huzzah, a toast to breakfast. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is 
constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, 7.30, look at these new images from London. Uh, the King's historic coronation less than two days away. There's a rehearsal going on. The royal family took part in that uh, overnight. And Chanel is in a little bit early because Savannah Guthrie has made her way to yes, London there. for the big day. Back to have a live report starting for us tomorrow. And this morning, we have NBC's chief international correspondent, Keir Simmons, with us from Westminster Abbey, where the king will be crowned. Good morning, Keir. Hey there guys, good morning. Eight months ago, I was standing right here in this incredible position in front of Westminster Abbey for the funeral of the Queen. Then a time of mourning, now get ready for the celebration, the coronation. Nothing in life really changes, does it? But then so many things will be different. In less than 48 hours, the world will witness pomp and pageantry not seen for seven decades, the coronation of a new British monarch. The ceremony steeped in a thousand years of history. Overnight, rehearsals in and around Westminster Abbey included King Charles and Queen Camilla, as well as William and Kate and their children, George, Charlotte and Louis. A new generation in a centuries-old setting. This was the moment Elizabeth II became queen in 1953. Her then four-year-old, Charles, looking on, but not participating. Seventy years later, the heavy St. Edward's crown will rest on her son's head. The priceless crown jewels, transported from the Tower of London, trace back to the 17th and 13th centuries. Crowns are incredibly important symbols of monarchy. St. Edward's crown is the crown that's used for the actual moment of crowning. It's a very heavy gold crown. In 1953, Elizabeth's husband, Philip, was first to pledge his allegiance. Charles' oldest son and heir to the throne, Prince William, will play that role for his father. While on his way to being crowned, King Charles will follow the same royal route as last year, when he walked behind the casket of his late mother. 7,000 British troops will take part, the military promising a stunning spectacle, recognisable by kings and queens past. These guns, forming the royal salute for the king's coronation, were fired for the queen's funeral, the arc of history. As in previous generations, controversy will be close by. Prince Harry will attend, but without his wife Meghan or their children. Seventy years ago, Queen Elizabeth's coronation was the first to be televised. Now a monarch will assume the throne in the digital era. And yet the most sacred moment will remain hidden. During the anointing with oil, the king will be shielded from the cameras by an ornate screen. His moment with God as he contemplates his new role in history. And take a look now, guys, at these amazing images of NBC covering the Queen's coronation back in 1953, a broadcasting yeah. tradition. That's I guess cool. you would have to be in your 80s now to actually remember that. Wow. That's how much a big deal Saturday is going to be. Isn't very nice of William the Conqueror back in 1066 to begin a ritual here that's so great for TV. 
Wow, that was pretty incredible. I think that was Dave Garraway back in the day. Wow, that was interesting. Uh, Great history there, uh, Kier. Thank you. And as we said, Savannah, she's going to have a lot more in the last minute preps. She will join us live tomorrow morning from London. Uh, We should also mention that our Coronation Preview Marathon on Today All Day, filled with more of what you just got there from Kier Simmons, the history of the royal family, visits to royal palaces. You can stream that starting tomorrow night at 9 Eastern. And just a few hours later, Savannah will be back leading our special coverage of the coronation Saturday morning, starting at 5 a.m. Eastern, right here on NBC and streaming on NBC News Now and today all day. We'll be all over the place Get your tea, get up early, watch a little history. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a big weekend for fascinators. Yeah. The coronation there and the Kentucky Kentucky Derby. Derby. Look at you. It's a huge weekend for that. All right. Just ahead, guys, the end of an era. An inside look at Jenny Craig's decision to shut down after four decades and what it signals about the future of the weight loss industry. Also had a powerful new interview with the family of the young boy seriously injured in last summer's mass shooting at a 4th of July parade in Illinois. They are speaking out for the very first time to Tom Yamas. He's going to share their conversation right after this. We are back 739 with an update on a shooting that made national headlines last summer. A gunman opened fire at the 4th of July parade in Highland Park, Illinois. The youngest victim, just eight years old, Cooper Roberts, who was left paralyzed. NBC's senior national correspondent Tom Yamas sat down with Cooper and his mother. This is a just a powerful conversation and story, Tom. It really was. Good morning, guys. You're about to meet a family that say they were probably a lot like your family at home watching the news as spectators until they were thrust into something far too many Americans are going through these days. They are speaking out for the first time because they want to make sure these events are not forgotten because it changed their son, their family, and they hope it changes the country. You still have shrapnel in your leg. A lot. Do you feel that every day? I do. Mom Keely Roberts has scars she's not afraid to show, but it's the ones you can't see that hurt the most. I think about the family that went to the parade that day and that family's gone. Last July 4th, the Roberts family set out for their hometown parade in Highland Park, just outside of Chicago. But as families lined the street that morning, a gunman using an AR-15 style rifle started firing, killing seven and injuring dozens, including Keeley and also her son Cooper, just eight years old. It was very clear in my mind at that time that Cooper was very likely not going to survive. A bullet hit Cooper in the back, severing his spine. His mother says with the help of incredible doctors, Cooper somehow pulled through, paralyzed, but alive. Everything changes from as a family with little kids, from something as simple as where juice boxes have to go in the in the refrigerator, right? How do you get them up the stairs? Right, how do you get them up the stairs? Um, we don't have um, an accessible home that way right now. But Keeley says, though her son's body changed, he did not. Cooper is kind and loving and empathetic and caring. And that is exactly who we met on a sunny day near Lake Michigan. What did you guys think? I loved it. It was like probably my favorite. I'm not going to say any spoilers. Who's Cooper talking to me about the Super Mario Brothers movie? Think of all the other games. And right next to him, his twin brother Luke, the two rolling side by side. Luke has started to ride his scooter all the time. 
It's something that Keely says has inspired her. I watch how desperately he loves his brother. Luke will always be a bit of a guard dog for Cooper. And the inspiration doesn't stop there. The little boy who had been through so much, swimming again on his own. That's what it looks like to be eight and to fight for your life. That's what it looks like. And Cooper's family is fighting back as well. They've joined a legal effort to hold accountable those they say are responsible for the bloodshed, including the gun manufacturer. Their attorney believes the company and others are liable. Can you promise them justice? Well, what we have promised them is accountability. And what we have promised them is that we will do everything in our power to ensure that there is some form of justice. It's just a part of the Roberts family fight, seeking justice, but also a miracle, hoping science finds a way for Cooper to walk again. I push my chips all in on that little boy. I believe in him. But I also believe in this country. We solve problems. We do what is not possible. The Roberts family has received thousands of letters, packages, mementos from people all over the country. Keely told me she reads every single letter. A lot of them are from parents who have suffered some type of trauma, but she says it has helped her and it has been transformational to connect with all these moms and dads. And guys, one more note. So when we walked into the interview, there were a couple of people we were meeting there and there was a woman there and, and I asked who she was. And mm -hmm. She's a rabbi. And so I asked, you know, in the interview, which is very understandable, a lot of times we do these stories and, and people who have experienced this trauma, they have a tough time with yeah. their faith. They, yeah. they struggle. So I asked Keila, I said, you know, where are you with God and, and your faith? And she says, I still believe in God. She goes, God didn't do this. A person did this. Mm. Their faith has helped them. Mm. It's part of the thing that's helped them. And they still remain faithful. And they say all the support from the country and from strangers that has really transformed their lives. Watching that little boy yeah. and watching him in the pool and watching him with his brother. Incredible. What a, but you know what's funny? You don't, there are so many shootings that happen. Yeah. And for you to spotlight this little boy was something I think we needed. I think Absolutely. people forget from one day to the next. Yeah. And it just shows the impact it's going to have on a family that survives this. Yeah, and she she wasn't exaggerating. This little boy, Cooper, he has so much yeah. joy. Yeah. It jumps out at you. Yeah. It's just, it, we had to show the story so people don't forget. Yeah. You know? Amen to that, Tom. That's good. Thank uh, you, Tom. Thank you for introducing us to Cooper. Uh, Mr. Roker, let's switch gears yeah. a bit, get another check of the weather here. Not statistics, but names and people and families. Thanks for that, Tom. That was amazing. Uh, and, and as we look right now, we're in the what we call the hurricane handoff season right now. Uh, we watch to see the tropics. So we've got no named uh, tropical cyclone. May is the quietest month for tropical cyclones. And we're passing the tropical torch. The southern hemisphere waters, those are cooling while the northern hemisphere waters warm. And what we're seeing right right now, which is a little troubling. We've got this really unusually warm water off the coast of Africa. It matches that pattern that we see before very active hurricane season. So we're going to be watching this very closely going forward. But right now, we're looking at really cool temperatures in the Northeast. Bangor, 50 degrees. Boston, 49. New York City's uh, 9 degrees cooler than average. Pittsburgh, 57. Tomorrow, more of that same cool air hanging in there. But do not worry. We're looking at a warm-up as we move into next week by Monday, Cincinnati, you're at 82, Pittsburgh 77, D.C. near 80, Raleigh 83, here in New York City by Monday, 75 degrees. And that is your latest weather. Guys? Don't you go anywhere, Mr. Oh, God. oh look at the you know, time. No, 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 I, you know I, what? I got a morning boost. Wait, I always do a morning boost, but this time the focus 
is on this man right here. We are celebrating a huge honor for our beloved Mr. Roker. <sighs> Stick around for the boost right after this. Yes. 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 Here's to the paper pushers, the rush hour warriors, and the gotta get awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind, where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk, where you can eat french fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner, where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. National Outlet Shopping Day is back. Join us June 8th and 9th at Simon Premium Outlets nationwide. Score thousands of can't-miss deals from brands you love all weekend long. They've got up to 65% off every day. And the National Outlet Shopping Day deals are even better. Visit premiumoutlets.com slash NOSD to find a premium outlet near you. That's premiumoutlets.com slash NOSD. Welcome back. Jacob Soberoff has joined the fun. Morning, guys. Just hey, in morning. time for a, a special morning boost. This one is top drawer. Mr. Roker, our beloved Al, was inducted into the Broadcasting and Cable Hall of Fame. By the way, it's a remarkable honor. It's so well-deserved. And his sidekick, Craig, hosted <laughs> the ceremony. Check it out. It is my honor and it is my privilege to join all of you in inducting Albert Roker Jr. into the Broadcasting and Cable Hall of Fame. How do you not excel and do better when you're working alongside the likes of Brian Gumbel, Jane Pauley, Katie Couric, Meredith Vieira, Savannah Guthrie, Hoda Kotb, Craig Melvin, my good friends on the third hour of today, Dylan Dreyer and Chanel Jones, and not just the people you see on camera, the greatest group of producers, writers, camera people, studio pr- camera people, field camera people that work in the business today. It made me cry all over again. But see what, <laughs> you see what Al does there? He t- gives it's it his award, gives it and he spends most of his speech uh, giving everything away. Uh, How was that, well, by the way? I, I, I'm very uncomfortable yeah, with, I know with, you with, with that kind of thing. But it's true. I mean, yeah, listen, nobody does this by themselves. You know, All of us are, are blessed to be working with so many great people in this studio and down in our control room and across but the street. As we said, the, the number of anchors on this desk have changed over the years, but there's always been one constant, and that's you. you. And I feel like that's what makes the ship sale. I mean, that's what makes it work, don't you think? You're our glue. No I saw so many people yesterday. Al Roker is the glue, yeah. not just on the air, yeah. but well, behind the yes. scenes yes. as well. There's never been a time when we haven't sent Al a text or a yeah. phone call. Al, you're always there. Always there. By yep. the way, we had so much fun celebrating you last night, but there were a few people who were not able to attend, but they did want to send their best wishes. So oh. Check this out. Oh. Congratulations, Al. The Hall of Fame would be empty without you. You are my favorite weatherman. Congratulations, man, for this induction. Congratulations, Al. Well deserved. Your kindness and sense of humor is legendary. But for me and many others like me, you've been a true inspiration. Congratulations, Al, on your induction into the Broadcasting Hall of Fame. You deserve this. I love you, man. Congratulations. I'm so proud of you. If anybody deserves this, you definitely do it. Hi, Al. Jay Lana here. Congratulations on the Broadcast Hall of Fame. You'll be joining so many greats from the New York area. 
uh, Soupy Sales, Clarabelle, Howdy Doody, just the name of you. You're in good company, my friend. You are a Hall of Fame oh, human being, my friend. We love you, enjoy your moment, and you deserve it. Oh. Al Roker, I think oh I speak gosh. for America when I say I love you. Thank you for your amazing body of work. A body of work that has gotten slimmer over the years. <laughs> Hi, Al. Oh. You are America's sweetheart. Congratulations on this well-deserved honor. Oh, Hi. Uh, that's so lovely. And Deborah Roberts also yes. Yes. Just gonna say being that. inducted as well. So, which you gave which so much credit I to your to, lovely bride, well, the two of you yeah, together. I had to accept for her because she's on her way to London. Of course in she London, is. With Savannah, actually. Power well, duo. We love, love you, man. Thank love you. you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, just ahead, Maria Menounos is here. She's going to open up about a recent health scare, the signs that were missed. However, she's got some very happy news, guys. Yes. She's going to be a mom. Yay! We'll talk about that in more. National Outlet Shopping Day is back. Join us June 8th and 9th at Simon Premium Outlets nationwide. Score thousands of can't-miss deals from brands you love all weekend long. They've got up to 65% off every day. And the National Outlet Shopping Day deals are even better. Visit premiumoutlets.com slash NOSD to find a premium outlet near you. That's premiumoutlets.com slash NOSD.